You've now reached your body probe boarding area. As your control officer, I'd like to give you some important information about your mission. Listen, the command considers us a bunch of losers. But we're gonna do it right this time because we're the best. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. This is show number 79 for the week of August 10th, 2008, and as always, I am your host, Lou Mangello. We'll start off this week by looking at some news from Walt Disney World, including some notable rehabs, closures, exclusive passholder opportunities, and more. In the Walt Disney World rumor mill, we may be getting some new updates on Star Tours 2.0. Lucky the Dinosaur might not be as fortunate as his name suggests, and you may just get a new opportunity to see what else is going on at the Laugh Floor coming soon. One of Walt Disney World's true hidden treasures comes to us from listener Sarah Ames, who joins me to show you that no one has more fun than us, except Yeehaw Bob Jackson over at Disney's Port Orleans Resort. He and his show are truly the best of the best, and we'll tell you how, when, and why you should make a special trip to the River Roost Lounge to join Bob for his show. I've been promising that I'd answer more of your emails, and this week I finally deliver. With the help of Becky Mankin, we'll answer questions about Fast Pass, birthdays, park tickets, reservations, and, well, alligators. I'll have more announcements before I end this week's show, and stay tuned for your voicemails when I'm done. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I have a few news items coming out of Walt Disney World this week, including some information about a few rehabs and even a few friends that we're going to be saying goodbye to. But before we even get to the Magic Kingdom, it appears as though things like the Race to Space and the Dash to Splash may be starting farther back than just Town Square, as Orange County police officers have been spotted on World Drive past the entrance gate with radar guns and officers on motorcycles in an effort to slow down speeders who just have to be first in line at the Magic Kingdom. Thanks to my friend the captain, who was the -the on-the-scene reporter who called in, actually from Chef Mickey's, probably not just to rub it in about calling in from Chef Mickey's, but to let me know about the increased police presence. So remember, it's only a 35-mile-an-hour zone, so drive slowly. The Magic Kingdom will still be there when you get there. Okay, so on to a few notable rehabs. The Hall of Presidents is going to begin an extensive refurbishment on November 1st, 2008. Now, in addition to adding the new president, other significant changes to the format of the show are expected when it reopens just before July 2nd, 2009. Obviously, as more information comes out from Disney as to what's going to take place, we'll let you know. Speaking of rehabs, the Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith, is undergoing some exterior refurbishment work as the limo that's suspended over the main entry sign has been removed and the entire area on the left-hand side of the main entry by the smoking area has also been walled off. Also, some listeners have let me know of a small but notable new addition, which is a guitar pick, having been added to the giant red guitar outside. On the pick, we now see evidence of the new Haynes sponsorship, as well as in other places inside the queue. But now it's time to say goodbye to some of our family, as Woody's Cowboy Camp and the Main Street Family Fun Day Parade at the Magic Kingdom will both be having their final performances on September 27th, 2008. Now, if you remember that date, 
There's a lot going on that weekend with a number of closures, including the Adventures Club. So I guess it's going to be a uh, an interesting unemployment line on Monday morning with Singing Cowboys, Clarabelle the Cal, and Pamelia Perkins looking for work. But uh, if they are annual pass holders, they will get a special treat. Now, of course, since they have so much free time on their hands as well, as there is something else to do if you're a pass holder on the 27th and 28th. Starting August 19th, 2008, annual pass holders at Walt Disney World can sign up for the September 27th and 28th premiere of the new full-length animated movie, Tinkerbell. And it'll be one of the first to hear Tinkerbell speak. Everybody else has to wait until October 28th, 2008, when it's released on DVD or Blu-ray. It is not going to be a theatrical release. But if you are a pass holder, you do have the opportunity to see the exclusive big-screen version at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. in the theater near Town Square in the Magic Kingdom. You can visit the annual pass holder website for more information. And thanks to Disney Dame 2004 for the heads-up on that piece. Over in Epcot, Walt Disney World has released the lineup of food and beverage kiosks that are going to be offered during the 2008 Epcot International Food and Wine Festival that's going to take place between September 26th and November 9th, 2008. This year, the theme is Great Food Cities, and therefore all the kiosks this year are going to be named after specific cities rather than whole countries or states. So you'll have places like Athens, Greece, Bologna, Italy, Boston, USA, etc., Now, of course, we're going to do a full preview of the Food and Wine Festival on the show coming very soon. And yes, in the interest of being fully prepared for the show and performing all required due diligence and offering you, the listener, the best possible show I can produce, I will take one for the team and visit the festival on an upcoming research trip. Stay tuned for more details and full coverage of the festival coming soon. Now, outside the parks, Disney is moving on up. To the east side? No, not to a deluxe apartment in the sky, but possibly some new digs. Because Disney has just announced plans to move its World of Disney store out of its posh 5th Avenue location in New York City in 2010, citing high rent as the reason not to renew its lease. Now, the store, which is located at 711 5th Avenue, told its 220-plus cast members that it will be leaving its current 36,000-square-foot space Disney's only Manhattan location. However, they will not be leaving for good. They have said that they are going to be seeking out other locations in the city. It's expected that they'll likely relocate to someplace like Times Square, which is a much more heavily traveled pedestrian area, also near its Broadway shows like Mary Poppins and The Lion King. Of course, this, like anything else, I'll report on more details as they come out. And if you have any news that you want to share, anything you want to discuss, go ahead and visit the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. But I'm going to go right from the news and head on over to this week's Walt Disney World Rumor Mill because it looks like we may be getting some new updates on the next version of Star Tours as the latest issue of Star Wars Insider Magazine has a teaser page for its next issue, which is going to be released on newsstands September 16th, with an in-depth focus on Star Tours. It says, Star Tours at 21. Star Wars Insider takes an in-depth look at Disney's Star Tours ride, currently celebrating its 21st year, covering its creation and development, the spin-off merchandise, and its future. So it's possible that we might be getting some interesting updates from this source on the ongoing Star Tours rumor controversy. Many of you have written to me and asked me about Lucky the Dinosaur, the walk-around animatronics figure, and I have some good news and some bad news. And the good news is, is that I have some updated information to share, and the bad news is, is that if you wanted to see him and you haven't, you may be out of luck. (laughs) Pardon the pun. Anyway, I've been told that Lucky was very much a, a technology tester, as it were, for the new Living Animatronics initiatives. He has had some internal issues. No, not emotional ones, but physical, as the biggest thing that he's dealing with is the fact that his internal gearing wears down after long periods of use due to the heavy weight of both the structure and the exoskeleton that he has on. And the problem is that replacing this gearing is very difficult, so it's also very expensive as well. Now, he has also had an issue with his skin absorbing moisture, because as it absorbs moisture, he obviously gains more weight, gives the internal mechanisms additional problems. He also has a tendency to shudder a little bit when his motors are overloaded due to the high moisture content, and it's obviously very, very hard on the internal structures, 
Remember too, he originally wasn't designed for major overhauls in order to keep him functional. He was simply meant to be a proof of concept and a demonstration of the technology. Now Lucky is probably going to become history, like the rest of the dinosaurs, when he begins to have some major failures. And I think the focus is really going to be shifting towards the next phase of these types of living animatronics initiatives, things like WALL-E and the Muppet Mobile Labs. Toy Story Midway Mania over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Hopefully you've seen it or possibly had a chance to ride it so far. Clearly by now you know it's a very, very popular attraction and Disney wants to spread some of the love. So look for an announcement soon that it's going to be cloned and recreated over in Tokyo Disneyland as well. And on a personal aside, that's a research trip I can't wait to take. Can you say Tokyo Disney Sea? Okay, but back in the States, I've also received informal confirmation that we'll be getting a new coaster. Where? Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And the theme? I've been told that it will be Monsters, Inc. Now, the question seems to be, obviously, about dollars and cents. Remember, Disney is plunking about, oh, a billion dollars over to DCA in California. So there isn't a lot of spare change floating around in Anaheim for new attractions for Walt Disney World. So what's seemingly an issue now is going to be the scale and the scope of what the attraction may be, how closely it may or may not resemble the very popular Crush's Coaster over in Disneyland Paris, where it may go, new show buildings, all those kind of details. Stay tuned, obviously, for more details as they emerge. I'm also working on a few additional rumors, but I'm going to keep those under wraps until I can confirm a few things. But of course, if you want to discuss any of these rumors, visit the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. If you have a rumor that you want to share, you can email me at Lou at WDWRadio.com or to comment on anything you've heard on this week's show, you can call the voicemail and leave a message at 206-202-4WDW. As you know, one of the things I try and accomplish with the show is introducing you to some of the overlooked aspects of Walt Disney World, whether it's an attraction, a restaurant, an out-of-the-ordinary experience, a restaurant, or a restaurant. I call them hidden treasures, and sometimes even the best of the best, because we know that Disney is the very best at what they do. But this week, we're going to look at a hidden treasure that's a bit out-of-the-ordinary, and it's different because it's not a place or an attraction, and no, not even food, but it's really a person. And this person puts you on the show that to a lot of people is a best of the best at Walt Disney World. And he's somebody that I've enjoyed in the past and many, many listeners have written to me about. And one of those listeners was Sarah Ames. And she wrote to me and said in part, Hey Lou, I wanted to write to you about a hidden treasure we discovered on our last trip to the world. His name is Bob Jackson, and he is the entertainment at Port Orleans Riverside's Lounge. My husband Mike stumbled upon Bob and his show one night when he went to the lounge for a drink after dinner. He told me I needed to come and check out the show, and I did. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. From what we experienced, Bob is a lot of the reason that people stay at Port Orleans and why they come back each night. He truly embraces the spirit and fun of Disney, and we were so happy to have to, to come across his show. And I agreed with Sarah 110%. It was a great way to describe what, again, is one of the best shows on property. And in keeping with what I've said since the first show, and in the spirit of making the show interactive, I invited Sarah to come on and talk about one of Walt Disney World's true hidden treasures, the man they call Yeehaw Bob. So I want to welcome Sarah to the show. Great to be here, Lou. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. And I appreciate you. Like I said, many, many people have emailed me about Bob, but... For a lot of people, he is a hidden treasure because unless you know about Bob or unless you're staying at Port Orleans, most people probably don't know he even exists. Exactly. Yeah, when we had booked our, our trip and decided to stay at the Port Orleans, I had heard some talk on, on, the, on the board about him, but quite frankly had really forgotten about it until we checked in and, and my husband stumbled on it. I mean, it was kind of one of those things I didn't even think about until we got there. Yeah, it's not something you're going to see advertised on the DVD or your vacation planning guides or maybe hear about from people unless 
they've seen him because the people who have seen him are like, you've got to go and head on over to see him. And where he plays is at the River Roost Lounge. That's at Port Orleans Riverside. He plays there five nights a week. Five nights a week. And the lounge itself is pretty cool. It's themed like a cotton exchange or like a trading room. It seats about 100 people. There's a full bar. They serve appetizers. And you might be saying to yourself, well, why am I going to go all the way over to Port Orleans? Why am I going to take a bus or rent a car or spend my night to go over and see a guy play the piano? But Sarah, it's obviously a very, very different show than just that. Well, exactly. You know, my uh, husband was kind of getting the lay of the land at the resort and, and was walking around and he came back an hour or so later and he said, you have to see this guy at the lounge. And I thought to myself, you know, why why do I want to see a lounge singer? I don't drink. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, what would I want to do that for? And he said, no, you really have to see this guy. He wears, you know, he wears this little bolo hat and he has suspenders on. And I'm thinking, okay, this sounds kind of weird. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're at Disney. Disney always does everything so well. I thought, well, you know, why not try it out and see what he's like? And it truly is something you'll never forget once you see it. Yeah, because he's not just sitting there. You know, get the idea of the 70s lounge singer at the top of the world at the contemporary out of your mind because <laughs> exactly he is like, he's a one man. I mean, he's a show. He puts on a real show. Right. He actually, you know, I mean, on, on top of just being an incredible singer and an incredible songwriter and all of that, he has his show is so high energy. He's got uh, the piano is actually like on, on a rocker so that he can rock it back and forth as he's entertaining. I, I was amazed. I was sitting there, and and he started singing, and he got to a part in this in the song where he stopped, and everybody like yelled back at him something, and I was like, wait a minute, all these people know what he's doing, <laughs> and he has the audience participating, and the kids were were dancing around in a conga line. I mean, it was just it was really outrageous. And that's a really really big important part of the show, is that it's interactive. This is not something where you sit back and have your drink or your buffalo wings and listen to him and watch him. You really get involved. And you know what? It's almost along the lines of if you've ever been to the Adventurers Club, that same Absolutely. type of interactive show type experience. But again, it's it's important to note, it's very, very family friendly, too. Absolutely. Yes, there were tons of kids there. And he really involves the children in, you know, getting involved in the conga line and singing along and coming up to where he is on the piano bench and sitting next to him. And, and he's very, very, very family friendly with, with just enough of, you know, adult humor that's, that's, you know, kind of on the back door so that people kind of laugh and the adults are chuckling. The kids are having a good time because they're dancing around. I mean, he's very, he's very much there for, for everybody. And he gets up. I mean, you talk about a person with way too much energy. I mean, the guy is just a machine, and he gets out into the audience when he's not singing. He's very, very funny. I mean, it's a comedy show in addition to almost a, a sing-along thing, and you can't help but get involved and want to sing along because he plays classic songs that everybody knows the words to, and he'll get you involved almost whether you want to or not. Exactly, exactly. And like you said, it's not just him singing one song after another after another. I mean, he stops and he chats with people and he's talking to people out in the audience and he's walking around and asking people things. And so you very much, you know, if, if you are just sitting there looking at your drink or eating your chicken wings, you, you really are going to be taken by surprise because he'll come right up and, and start talking to you right in the middle of the show and you better be ready. You better be ready. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the, the comedy and the atmosphere is almost contagious and you can't help but have a good time. And the thing is, he's been doing this over at Port Orleans for about 10 years. And one thing I've noticed from seeing the show a number of times is that he'll go out into the audience and he'll remember somebody that saw his show, not last week, but a year ago or two years ago. Hey, you guys are here for your anniversary. How are things now? Oh, you have okay. kids. And it's, it's amazing how personable he is towards everybody in the audience. Well, that's what my husband said. You know, he was saying to me as we, as he had been there the night before, he said, you'd be amazed at how many people he recognizes and he remembers their names. And, you know, we noticed that we had gone there like the second night and he had, you know, during his breaks, he comes by and he talks to people, asks you what your name are, where you're from, you know, and, and then he'll incorporate you in the show almost, you know, and say, you know, Sarah and Mike from Albuquerque and this and that. And then, you know, two nights later, we, we'd come by and he'd be like, oh, Sarah and Mike, you know, and, and it really is stunning how much he has the grasp on, on who everybody is and when he might have seen them last. It, he really is such an entertainer. 
And he's a hidden treasure because he is so, I mean, forget the comedy, forget the interest. He's just so talented at playing the piano. Forget the fact that, that the piano is moving as well while he's playing, but he plays ragtime and boogie woogie and, again, those sing-along type songs. And the guy is just, he's really, really fun to watch. Right. Well, you have, like you said, you have to focus on the fact that he's really good at what he does, too, because there is so much going on. And he's jumping up and he's got one leg in the air and he's standing on the bench. And, and you can sometimes lose sight of the fact that he's really playing that piano and he's really, you know, he's really keeping time and he's really singing along on top of doing everything else with, you know, his hat and the jumping up and everything. It's, I mean, it, he's really, he's an artist and he's, he's spectacular just on top of everything else. And his, like I said, I keep talking about his energy. And when you see Bob, you'll understand why. When I saw him, he went for a good hour and 15, maybe an hour and a half before he even stopped playing and took a break. And I was like, wow, this, I mean, again, not the laid back 70s lounge singer, but the guy, he's working when he's out there. Right, and his breaks are almost, I mean, I look at it as, yes, he's taking a break from playing the piano and singing, but he's still, he's coming around the room, he's chatting with people, he's signing autographs, he's selling his CDs. I mean, he's doing things even when he's supposed to be on a break. I, I don't know how, how he gets all of the energy, but it's infectious, it really is. Yeah, and he actually, in addition to doing the show here, he also plays a couple other nights over at Gaylord Palms. He also plays at a church on Sunday mornings. Uh, and like you said, he also sells CDs of not just what he plays at Port Orleans, but he's got, I think, maybe four or five CDs available with some of his original compositions as well, which are very, very different than his show, but are beautiful. I mean, the guy really is really as talented. Right. He's, yeah, he's, he's so, so well-rounded with just about anything. Like, to imagine him to do the show at the Port Orleans and then be, uh, you know, at church on Sunday doing gospel music, I mean, he really can can switch from that and, and is just exceptional at both. Yeah, and it's never really the same show twice, obviously. And even if you go see him, for example, if you if you love Bobby if, or if you're staying at, at Gaylord Palms, you'll get a different show there than you will at Port Orleans. But you can go see Bob if you're staying there on back-to-back nights and get a completely different experience. Right. It's fun to be kind of in the know as far as like what some of the things are going to come up with and, and some of the audience interaction, because I noticed the first time I came in, people were participating and I was like, oh, how do they know that? So you do know certain things that are coming and it's exciting because you know you're going to have a chance to, to sing along or do something funny. But then, yeah, you know, you never get bored and say, oh, well, that's the exact same set he did last night. I've, you know, I've heard that already. Right, and you can, because it's sort of a very informal atmosphere that you don't need tickets, it's free, you don't need to be staying at Port Orleans, you could sort of come and go as you please. Now, we've seen the show, maybe what we can do is give listeners a couple of tips for the best experience they could have to, to enjoy Bob. Well, I would say, you know, you, like you said, you can come in at any time. You know, I didn't feel like I should have been there right at the beginning of the show or that, you know, I should have stayed right till the end. I think, you know, when you come in, you kind of just, you, you gel right into what's going on and you participate. I'd say my biggest tip is just be open to whatever's going to happen because you never know what he's going to do or what's going to happen and just, you know, lay back and have fun because it's, it's not something, if you're having a bad day, he's going to take you right out of that in a second. No kidding. Um, it is truly one of those immersive experiences. I mean, if you can get there early, get a seat up front, I think it even enhances it. But remember, he also comes out into the audience. I think what I would suggest for people, if you've never gone before, want to make really a night of it at Port Orleans, whether you're staying there or not, you can go over, eat at Boat Rights, which is right next door first, then head over. Or if you don't want to have a full sit-down meal, you can eat at the bar. Um, they obviously have a full bar. There's also appetizers like chicken and nachos. So you could snack while you're watching it. And like you said, just sort of get ready to to enjoy the entire experience. And you can really make, like I said, a full night over it. You can leave Bob. You can take a boat down the Sasagula if you want to head down to downtown Disney. Um, it, it's really a, a wonderful location for him as well. Absolutely. I mean, Mike and I have already said that even though this year... We're not going to be staying at Port Orleans. We're trying another resort. We're going to drive over there for the evening, and just like we would go to a downtown Disney or to Pleasure Island for an evening, we're going to make an evening of going to see Bob because it's just that exciting, and it really 
is is something that makes you want to do it again and again, even though, like you said, it's not a show, it's not a theme park, it's not a, you know, it, it's something that is totally different from anything you'll see at Disney, but it, it makes us want to drive all the way there and, and take a look at it again. And that really is why, for many people, it's considered a best of the best at Walt Disney World for nighttime entertainment, because it's a great alternative to something like the Adventurers Club or Pleasure Island, which you know we all now know is going away, or doing something else in downtown Disney. It's again, it's it's a free show. There's no ticket required, so you can take your family down there. You can spend a couple hours with Bob, make a full night of it, and um, it, it's really a, a great overlooked thing to do at night. Whether you're going solo as a couple with the grandparents, with the kids, whomever. Um, and like Bob says, nobody has more fun than us. That's sort of his trademark tagline, and it definitely holds true. Exactly. It couldn't be more true. And what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes to, to Bob's website, which is obviously yeehawbomb.com. There you can get his schedule of when he's going to be at Port Orleans. I believe he still plays five nights a week from about 8.30 or 9 o'clock until midnight. He also plays at Gaylord Palms, and again on Sunday morning, you could buy Bob's CDs there. You could also see some videos of Bob. You can get samples of his music there. You can link on over to his Facebook page as well to learn more. Bob is a great, great guy. I don't think Sarah and I can recommend going to see him and taking a couple hours out of your, your trip to go and enjoy Yeehaw Bob at Port Orleans. Absolutely not. You, you won't be disappointed. If yeah, I can't imagine anyone that would be disappointed. Absolutely. And Sarah Ames, thank you so much for not just listening, but for writing in and coming on the show and and helping to talk about one of these true hidden treasures of Walt Disney World. Absolutely, Lou. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hi everybody, this is Bob Jackson from Walt Disney World's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. I want to give a big shout out to Lou Mangello and all the listeners of the Walt Disney World Radio Show. If you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World, be sure that I'm saving you a seat. We've got a great family show and kids are welcome all night long. So come on out to the port. We'll be watching for you. I've been promising you for the last few weeks that I'd get to more of your emails, and it's time for me to make good on my promise. I appreciate your patience, but sometimes there's just so much time and so little to do. No, strike that. Reverse it. (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to do more of your vacation planning emails, and when you hear vacation planning, of course you think of Samantha Brown. No, wait, that's top 10. Anyway, in lieu of Samantha or Tim Foster, I have once again enlisted the help of everybody's favorite travel agent and all-around nice gal, Becky Mankin, owner of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction, Lou. It's great to be back. Took me hours to write that, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but we really do have a lot to get to. It's been way too long since we've done more of these emails, so let's go ahead and get right into it. First one, very quick and to the point, is, Lou, when do you think Disney is going to release the park hours and extra magic hours for December 2008? We're headed down December 6th through the 12th. like to plan our ADRs and other things, but we need the schedule first. Thanks. That comes from Chuck Lionberger from Virginia. Well, the good news for Chuck is that they are available now. So if you pop out to DisneyWorld.com, you should be able to pull up the um, the information, the schedule information. And in, in general, they typically release the extra magic hours and the park hours about an 180 days prior to travel. So for those of you who are trying to plan other dates, just keep your eye out for that 180-day mark. And Chuck, I got one word for you. Mouse fest, baby. <laughs> we'll talk more about Mouse Fest as we start getting closer, but let's move on to the next one. It says, Lou, I went to Walt Disney World last summer. I had a great time as always, but I was a little unhappy, <gasps> egads, at how Disney would let tour groups get fast passes. 
The tour groups would arrive at the FastPass station. They would have all the kids' key cards in one huge pile. I've been there and seen that. And would feed <laughs> them all in one at a time in the machine. Trust me, if you get behind me in line, you've picked the wrong line. Because there is a limit to how... Sorry, I have to throw my editorial comments in here. Because there was a limit as to how many fast passes go out each day, this is unfair to the families who'd like fast passes to their favorite rides. My question to you is, does Disney have a policy for large tour groups and fast passes? Thanks again. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Christian from Lake Zurich, Illinois. So, Becky, yeah, is there sort of a quote-unquote official policy when it comes to tour groups or if you book well, a large tour can you get fast passes in advance i i gotta tell you this the answer to this is something that christian probably isn't going to want to hear um disney actually encourages uh the larger groups to have one person the group leader go up and get the fast passes for the entire group and it's because of course they don't if you had a, a group of 50 people you don't want to cause a big backup in line clogging the distribution line so when you do have groups that are traveling together they encourage the group leader to go and get the fast passes for the entire group and you are not encouraging violence at the fast pass machines no. or trying to push anybody out of the way <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not but i you could imagine standing there and seeing a group of, we've all seen them where there's 50 or, or 70 people. You would really hate to see the fast pass distribution line longer than the actual standby line, which could happen in some of these cases. Yeah, and I've been there and I've seen the tour group leader just whip out the pile of fast pass and I'm like, oh, lady, you're killing yeah. me. <laughs> you know, fortunately, I haven't been locked out of a fast pass and, and you probably won't find that all too often, unless it's late in the day or during a very busy time of year. But what I'd probably say, too, is, Christian, if there are certain attractions that you must see and want to get fast passes for, try and hit those early in the day before the before they're all gone. Things like Toy Story Mania and some of the other big ones, that, that do, like Soren, that also um, run out of fast passes pretty early. Yeah, exactly. Next email comes from Barry Frechette. He said, Lou, hope all is well with you and you as well. I had a quick question for you. We're thinking of taking our son to Walt Disney World for his 10th birthday in November. His actual birthday falls on November 18th, and of course, that's Mickey's birthday as well. And I think you're in the same boat, if I remember correctly. Yes, my daughter's also on the 18th. She knew going in what she was in for. Anyway, I have two questions. Any suggestions on something special to do for his birthday? And do you know of any special events for Mickey's birthday? Hope all's well. Love the show. All the best, Barry. Wow. Um, well, we haven't seen anything officially yet for Mickey's birthday celebration. Uh, I haven't. Have you? I haven't seen. I mean, other than when they have the big anniversaries for him, you know, and, right. the, and the big scheduled parties, nothing specific as like an in-park celebration of his birthday. Right. I I guess I haven't um, I haven't seen it yet my, myself, but I remember in the past that there were some points in time where the cast members didn't let it go uncelebrated either so i would just kind of keep my eye out for what's going on in the parks on that day see we need to bring back uh, charlie ridgeway who you know remember yeah. he wanted to staple hats to the ducks for donald <laughs> <at> the <birthday>. <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't go that far but yeah um but there are other special things that you can do for the birthday as well and, and this is a very common question of course the number one thing that we tell people is you have to stop and get the it's my birthday button and you can get that from any of the guest relations uh, desks either at, um, at City Hall or guest relations at the parks um, it's really important to get that first thing in the morning make sure that you wear it prominently and that it's seen um, there's all kinds of special things and special acknowledgments and, and just people randomly saying happy birthday, which would make it really special for him as well. Um, the other things that are really helpful for birthdays, of course, be sure that you tell the server at your table server places that it's uh, a birthday celebration too. And last but not least, one of the other things that we do a lot is um, if you're sitting, if you're, sorry, dining at one of the, uh, the table service restaurants, you can order a cake beforehand by calling, I think it's 4078 Two seven cake, I believe, and about twenty to twenty five dollars somewhere in there. You can actually have a, a cake delivered to your meal and and surprise him. Yeah, and something else I tell people too. And at ten years old, you might be able to still get away with it. Take them to a character meal without telling them, and then when they show up, be like, you know, we're at Chef Mickey's. Mickey came here just because it's your birthday. 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, another one that comes to mind, too, is uh, he's probably still young enough. I'm not exactly sure if this would still work for 10 or not because he might be a little old. But um, one of the uh, the moms that I've uh, worked with in the past took her boy to, of course, the Harmony Barbershop and wanted to have him nice and looking for his uh, good looking for his birthday. But he kind of turned the tables on her and got the mohawk with the color gel. <laughs> And apparently that was one of the things he was most proud of for his birthday. So you never know. God, I hope my kids stay young forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on uh, to the next email. It says, Lou, a brand new listener to your show, and I love it. It's already becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Anyway, I'm getting married this summer and will be headed to Florida for a honeymoon at Walt Disney World. I'm very excited, but I'm curious to know how to add romance to our Disney vacation. Any tips? Also, we're staying at Coronado Springs. I've never stayed there before, and I've read mixed reviews on various message boards. Are you familiar with the resort? And did we make the right choice in deciding to stay there? Thanks for the great show. Keep up the great work, Tina. All right, so first questions first before we get to how to add romance to their vacation. Tina might be a little bit concerned that staying at Coronado was not the best choice. Yeah, I I have to personally kind of say that Coronado, of course, is a convention hotel, meaning it caters to more of the business folks and other events and conventions that go on at Walt Disney World. And because of that, it may not have um, the resort vacation feel that you might get at some of the other locations. And but while it's not my first choice of the moderates for a honeymoon couple, there still are um, great benefits to the location as well. Um, on your honeymoon, obviously, you're going to want something that's a little bit more quiet, maybe not as many small families running around. And so the um, the conventions, uh, hotels cater more to the adults than families. So it might be a little bit more quiet in that respect. Um, also, that location has a lounge with a DJ that plays and some more of the table service options for dining as well. So that might give it a little bit more of a adult feel boost for it as, as well. I think nothing says I love you like a cabana at uh, <laughs> at those. I actually like this resort. I think it's uh, there are ways to make it romantic there. I think at night it's very beautiful yes. as you're walking around um, the the lake right in the middle. So uh, I've stayed there with my wife not for our honeymoon, uh, but before we had kids, and um, and I don't think that you'll go wrong with the resort one way or the other. But what about specific ways, Becky, to kind of add some romance or things they can do? Uh, on their honeymoon. You know, one of my favorite tips, and a couple of the vacation planners in in my agency um, swear by this for the honeymooners, is we recommend for something that's a little quiet for yourselves, go over to the Polynesian right around when it's getting kind of dusk and grab a drink at the bar and then relax on the beach there at the Polynesian. You can relax in one of the hammocks or on the beach together, just the two of you with a drink in your hand. You can watch the electrical parade go by and even the wishes fireworks happening at Magic Kingdom. Over on that beach, you will avoid the crowds. It'll be quiet and it'll be very romantic. Yeah, but you know what? You're on your honeymoon, so I say splurge. So this is what I say to do. (laughs) All right. If you don't want to splurge, you can do romantic things. You can take maybe like a nighttime boat ride along the Sasagula River, which is very romantic. If you do want to splurge and go all out, you just rent out the Grand One from the Grand Floridian. Take a Wishes cruise. You can have champagne. You can have strawberries. You can really do the full-blown romance package. Uh, If you really just want to blow all of your wedding gift money, you can also have dinner at Victorian Alberts. Again, it's your honeymoon. You'll probably only do it once or twice in your life. Um, Maybe a couple's massage over at um, the Madeira Spa over at the the Dolphin is something nice to do. That's where I was going to go. If, if money was no object, a, a wonderful couple's massage would be great. Um, and, of course, nothing beats one of those fireworks cruises or the Illuminations cruises, for that matter. Exactly. Like I said, you're only going to do it once or twice in your life. So go ahead and splurge and worry about the credit card bill later. What I was really going to say, though, is, Tina, you know, nothing says I love you. Nothing says romance in Disney World like sitting in your room with a bottle of champagne, listening to the audio guide to Walt Disney World. <laughs> I'm kidding. I kid because I love and it's and it's relatively cheap. But anyway, let's move on to the next email. It says, Lou, my name is Kevin. I am from upstate New York. My name is We Love the Mouse on the forums. My family and I love the show, and I've listened to all 69 shows at least once. I have a couple 69 shows. I think we're on 79. Now I'm in trouble. Anyway, my family and I love the show. Uh, I have a couple of questions that maybe you can help me, my, my wife and I, with. 
We're planning our next vacation at Walt Disney World this summer, and we're discussing which parks and activities we want to do each day. We realize that from one of our past trips in 2002, that we still have a ticket or two with a water park and more option, I think that it was what it was called then, he said, that went unused. We have all of our tickets and the rest of our family members who went with us back then from that particular trip. And his question is this, is there a way for us to find out before we arrive which tickets have the water park option without bringing them all to the park? And if not, can we find out that information at any place other than the Transportation Ticket Center? Thanks for your help, Kevin. There's a simple answer to this. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> and we move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple of pieces I can throw in here. Unfortunately, there's no way to be able to tell what's on the ticket before you travel. However, you can check them at any of the guest relations windows at the theme parks is, is the best place to go. Um, I've also heard rumor that you can also check them with the concierge uh, desks at the resorts as well. But unfortunately, there's no way, way to check it before you travel. Yeah, I'm sure the, the poor people at the, the local Disney stores in the mall must get inundated with that all the time. People bring in there. Yeah. So, all right. Next question says, hey, Lou, great show. Thanks for answering my last question so quickly. I have another one. Again, my family is going to the world in early December 08. We have the basic meal plan, and I understand that there are select restaurants over at Disney's Hollywood Studios that have a package with reserved seating for Fantasmic. So my question is, can we redeem our meal plan for the package? Again, great show. And that comes from Ted Knapp in New York. And the answer for Ted is that, yes, you can use your meal plan for the package. And the, the neat thing is, is that you don't have to use any additional entitlement. So, for example, you would use one for Mama Melrose or one for Hollywood and Vine. Um, two are required for the Brown Derby. But the key is that you need to specify that you want the Fantasmic dinner package as well. Um, there are some limitations to it. You obviously have to eat it between certain times. There is a, a certain menu that you choose from. And there's, there is mixed feelings about whether the Fantasmic dinner package is worth it or not due to the seating that they give you, which is way off stage left or way off to the side, um, uh, to the right-hand stage, stage of, uh, excuse me, side of the stage as you're looking at the staging area. But um, I, personally, I like it because I don't have to stand in line. And if anybody knows me, I <laughs> am so allergic to lines. So it's, it's a good thing for me. <laughs> and the cool thing is, is not only that you can use the dining plan, but that there is no premium tagged, you know, on top of right. it, that it's not going to cost you an extra credit just to get the seating package. So I think it's a great question because I'll bet a lot of people don't realize it. So go ahead and tell them you want the package, whether you decide to use that seating or not. Uh, you know, at least that you have it. Exactly. All right. Next question comes from Art Carter in Arizona. He said, Lou, love the podcast, and I, but I have a strange question. I really love going on the Disney cruises. Don't we all? And every time we go to Walt Disney World, there are some hotel lobbies like the Grand Floridian Beach Club, Polynesian Wilderness Lodge, etc., that have a big model of the ship under a glass or plastic cover that's very detailed. Do you know if there's any place that I can buy one? I'd really like to have it, but have not found them any place. Thanks for the help, Art. Oh, aren't those cool? <laughs> yeah. I, I swear, I, I'll go into the resorts and I'll stand there and just look at it when I don't have a cruise and you sit there and you go, oh my gosh, I wish I was on the ship. Those are really neat models. But unfortunately, they were designed specifically for the resorts. It, it, what they were trying to do was draw attention to the fact that those resorts were associated with the Disney Cruise Line land packages that, that you could add on on your three-night land, four-night sea, and so forth. Um However, I have been told that there were some that were made uh, for promotion, uh, promotional ver versions that have been distributed, but they're no longer in production from what I understand. So I would say that no, there's nowhere to go buy one, but you never know what might pop up on eBay. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was about to start going on eBay, just, you know, again, for research purposes only, but... <laughs> yeah, I think if they sold even like a smaller scale reproduction like that, they would just sell... I know... A Disney almost like a Disney Cruise Line big fig. <laughs> <laughs> As Eric Hollister's ears perk up when I say big fig, but anyway. <laughs> All right, let's With move stormtroopers on. Stormtroopers on the deck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. I know, that's all right. <laughs> Next email says, Hey Lou, yours is the best show in podcastum. Thank you. Thanks for all the hard work you put into making a truly magical show. I've written before and I'm writing once again because Lou, you are our only hope. 
insert Star Wars <laughs> reference here. All right, Becky, get your abacus and uh, scientific calculator out. Because he says, my whole family and I are huge Disney fans, but yesterday we had our first disappointment. We called Disney to book a trip for 14 days yesterday, and were told that they only sell tickets for park admission up to 10 days. They told us we would have to buy a 10-day pass and a 4-day pass. Now, other than being slightly inconvenient, it's nothing to get upset about, but the disappointing news was that we wouldn't get the $32 per day price with the park hopper and water parks included for the extra four days, and that we would have to pay $76.75 per day for those days. That works out to an extra $180. Again, not the end of the world, but we were surprised that Disney was not more accommodating. We did ask to speak to a manager who was also powerless to help us. I know we're close to the per-day price of an annual pass at 14 days, but we'll probably not make it back within the year, and we were just hoping Disney would honor the price per day at 10 days for our entire stay, but they were unwilling. So the question is, do you know of any way to get the lower price, $32 per day, for an extended stay? Can a travel agency arrain this? Can you? Can we call Disney again and plead our case one more time? <laughs> again, thanks for bringing the magic into our homes every week. And that comes from Ryan. Wow. Um, math. Um, <laughs> the unfortunate thing, Ryan, is that, quite honestly, they can't go beyond the 10. So no one's going to be able to bend that rule for you. It's I've been told, now this is a, a third-hand party that told me, but I've been told that part, partially it's due to a systems issue. They're just not able to add more to beyond a 10-day to the ticket. Um the rule of thumb is when you're looking at AP versus the 10 day and, and you're going higher and into more days is that if you're there eight and a half days, I think it is or more, that's when you need to start looking at the AP. But something that a lot of people don't think about when they're purely looking at the numbers is that if you do go for an annual pass, that annual pass also offers other savings and benefits that might actually make it um, more of a value. For example, you'll get... Uh, discounts on your rooms, on your room rate, or discounts on shopping. It also allows you to buy one of the um, the dining cards, the ex dining experience cards, so you can get discounts off your dining. So if you start looking at the math that way, it might actually help make better sense to go to an AP, even if you're not going to return later on. And that, another thing to consider as well is um, how many times do you really think you're going to go to the water parks while you're there? Because it, if it's only a couple of visits, you might think about looking at individual admission there as well. So I think it's just coming down to to doing the math between the different um, the different options. Yeah, and not because I was too lazy to do the math. Okay, I was too lazy to do the math, but the first thing that came to mind <laughs> was an annual pass. And for all the reasons that you gave, you can also get the Disney Dining Experience card. Again, another way to save money. You can save 10% shopping down uh, in downtown Disney at the World of Disney store. Plus, you also said in a PS that your first day in Walt Disney World is January 31st. You're now giving yourself a reason to go back because now you've got <laughs> most of your trip paid for because you have the annual pass. And I'm sure you, if you are big Disney fans, you won't need all that much more convincing. So uh, we'll leave the math to you. But I think annual pass is definitely something that, that you should consider. Yeah, I agree. All right. Last question is, Lou, do you know when we'll be able to make reservations for next year? And again, simple, quick, to the point, And that comes from Jesus. <laughs> Yay! Yes, 2009 <laughs> dates just released last week. So the answer is yes, you can go ahead and, and start booking 2009. And for a shameless plug, we will be happy to help you with anything that you need to book <laughs> for 2009. So um, available to you. So uh, then 2009 for Adventures by Disney also opened up as well. So both of those are ready to book. Awesome. And you can, and obviously I will help you with the shameless plug. You can go over to Emmy. You can go to mousefantravel.com. But wait, there's more because there's a bonus surprise email, Becky. And I know you love when I do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> so sit back again, get out the calculator, get out the abacus, whatever you need, because here's your question. I'm going to help you with this one. Don't worry. It says, Lou, <laughs> we value your research, knowledge, and general opinion about Walt Disney World. Thank you. I was listening to another podcast, and I will take that name out, and I will leave that podcast nameless, that had mentioned that Discovery Island is infested with alligators. That would mean that swimming with, all, with us all in Bay Lake are gators. 
So there are my kids listening, and while faced and white-faced, shock comes to their faces. Plus, they told their cousins, and now my kids are swearing off any water sports with our next trip in 2009. Is this irresponsible reporting? I know there are a lot of mishaps that can take place in the kingdom. Nothing bad ever happens in Disney World. The Disney lawyers are doing a great job in keeping it covered. However, I can't see Disney letting people parasail water ski on a lake where Wally Gator can simply have lunch (laughs) on their guests. I had to read this one because it was awesome. Can you find out if this is true so I can calm my kids down? There's also something that somebody reported as an amoeba that activates in the sand when the temperature rises. The whole podcast was chock full of fear factor-like news. I need it negated or worse, confirmed. Will Disney give us an all-is-calm standard reply, but we're counting on you to negate this with your sources. Help us swim again. And that comes from Vicky. Well, Vicky... Stay calm. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, if, if this was true, honestly, I don't think I'd have a job. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, yeah, go ahead, Lou. <laughs> tell the kids, tell the cousins, the neighbors, tell everybody they can relax. They will not be eaten by alligators in Bay Lake. They will not have their flesh eaten away on the sand by amoebas or anything else going on. I promise. And and why? And here, well, here's the first big reason why you're not going to be eaten by an alligator in Bay Lake, and that's because you can't swim in Bay Lake. Uh, asterisk here, unless you are participating in the Ironman triathlon, which I don't think that your kids are planning to do. Uh, I, go ahead. I think, you, I think you'd probably have a, a better opportunity of getting um, chewed up by the dinosaur on the dinosaurs' rides than you would for <laughs> the alligators that they supposedly have at Discovery Cove. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and th- you may have been to Disney years ago. They used to actually offer um, swimming to guests. Actually, for a long time over at Fort Wilderness, that was the only place you could swim was in, uh, in Bay Lake. However, after they added pools, I guess it was the late, ni- eight, late 80s or so, um, they stopped swimming. And actually, for many, many years, swimming has not been allowed. Um, on the Disney beaches in in Bay Lake. And it's not because of alligators or man-eating Loch Ness monsters. Um, it's actually due to issues with a back with a bacteria in the water. Um, so no worries about swimming. Also no worries about you know taking out any of the watercraft or parasailing, boating, anything like that because any sort of short term or even long term exposure is not anything bad. But Disney does have a policy of no swimming in the lakes. But um, no worries about being eaten by alligators, I promise. It makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, Becky, that is that is it. There will be no more surprise um, emails for you. Uh, before I thank you for coming on the show, I have to say a special thank you again, not just for your help and all the support of the Adventureland Challenge Contest, which, of course, is still going on, but the incredible donation that you and your team made to the Dream Team Project at Magic Meets a few weeks ago, I was surprised, as you could tell, and certainly blown away. And um, and well, I want to say thank you. A lot you. of that is, thank you, well, you're very welcome, but a lot of that is also due to your listeners and, and people who contributed indirectly by um, booking with us. Because, of course, we were running the, the promotions that if you booked with us, we were making donations. So thank you to your listeners as well. Well, I want to say thank. now I'll thank you for your help on the email segment. And to book your next vacation or, quote-unquote, research trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, on the Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney, you can call Becky at home anytime, day or night. Um, or, How about one of my 50 vacation planners that are across the United States ready to help you? Or you can just go visit Mouse Fan Travel online at mousefantravel.com. Becky, thank you. Thank you, Lou. It's great to be here as always. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again also to Sarah Ames, Becky Mankin, and of course, Yeehaw Bob Jackson for joining me this week. Remember, you can visit our show notes page at wdwradio.com for more information, photos, and links to topic I cover this week. Simply visit wdwradio.com. Look for the link on the homepage for this week's episode. You can also see show notes for all the past episodes by clicking on the show directory link in the navigation bar, 
There you'll find an ordered list of all the shows as well as the topics that I covered. So you can go back and check out a topic, interview, or segment that you might want to hear. I promised you last week that I would have exclusive news about the Magic Meets fan event, and here it is. I have in my hand the dates for next year's Magic Meets, so get out your calendars. I'll wait. And your highlighter, your Sharpie, or your keyboard, so you don't write on your computer, and mark down these dates. Ready? It's Friday to Sunday, although you knew that already, August 7th through the 9th. That's right, this year it's not in the middle of July, it's actually the second weekend in August. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. Sorry about that, I got sidetracked. Anyway, visit magicmeets.com for more information. Be sure to sign up for the free newsletter to find out when the registration process begins. Magic Meets 2009 is only about, I don't know, 350 days away, so start making your plans now. Remember, it's magicmeets.com. Speaking of great events, it looks like Walt Disney World is the place to be for the weekend of September 27th with so much going on. It's the final day to see and sing at Woody's Cowboy Camp and the Family Fun Day Parade, to say Kungaloosh for the last time, maybe, as the Adventurers Club closes, the Expedition Everest Challenge and After Party is Saturday the 27th, with a possible pre-event radio show listener meet being set up. Stay tuned for details. Not to mention that it's the first weekend of the Epcot Food and Wine and Food Festival. And last but not least, remember that WDW Celebrations, the guys that brought you Celebration 25 and the Wild Decade, are holding Worldwide Weekend. They'll be hosting a number of events, including an add-on tour on Thursday. The events are going to last all weekend long, and there's also a special... Dine, Dive, and Discover package for Saturday. That includes a group-exclusive Epcot Dive Quest experience just for Worldwide Weekend attendees, a private showing of Turtle Talk with Crush, and now there's also reduced price tickets for a limited time for the Dine portion of the event. Those are $49.99. That includes a private lunch from 11.45 to 3 o'clock at the Salon, the private area in the Living Seas with Nemo and Friends over in Epcot, In addition to the lunch, I know they are working to invite some special guests to join them for lunch and for a special seminar. Also, private lunch and tickets also include admission to the Turtle Talk with Crush viewing that night, which is going to be at 920 right after Illuminations. For more information, you can go and visit WDWCelebrations.com. And speaking of celebrations, but having nothing to do with the WDW Celebrations guys or their events, I want to remind you to go and visit CelebrationsPress.com. I'll put a link in the show notes this week to learn more about or subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. That's the new magazine I've been working on with Tim Foster from Guide to the Magic. You know him as Top 10 with Tim. We're working really hard to get the first issue ready very soon. It's going to include everything from news, events, featured articles from not just Tim and myself, but other authors and webmasters, people you know from the community, and so much more. Really something to help you appreciate the secrets and the stories and the history of the most magical place on Earth, and so much more about the Disney Company. There's going to be history and trivia, attraction highlights, games, photos, so much more. Like I said, you can visit celebrationspress.com for more information. You can also take advantage of our pre-publication special. You can get six issues for $24.99. That's 30% off the cover price. Again, I'll put the link in this week's show notes. Also, be sure and check out Orlando Attractions Magazine. That is created by Ricky Brigani and Matt Roseboom. That covers all of the Orlando area theme parks, the attractions, the restaurants, and so much more. It's a great magazine, very high quality, well-written, wonderful photos, features, and so much more. It's fun for all ages. I enjoy the magazine. I think you will as well. It is available at select store shelves in the Orlando area. You can also go for annual subscriptions and back issues. You can go and visit attractionsmagazine.com. When you come by and visit the show notes at wdwradio.com, you can also find ongoing specials there from some of our partners like Owner's Locker, where you can still get $50 off of your sign-up fee, and All-Star Vacation Homes, where you can now stay for five nights and get a free night. So if you reserve any of their vacation homes for five nights for check-in by December 15th, you only pay for four. Just mention the stay five and pay four special when making any new reservation. I am also working on some fun new segments for upcoming shows, but next week I have a very special show. I know it sounds like a soap opera or Oprah, but that's not what it is. On next week's show, 
I'm going to have the interview that I've been hinting at for the last few weeks. It's one that I really worked hard to pull together. It was a true privilege for me, and it's one I think you're really going to enjoy. Who is it? Well, you'll have to wait till next week to find out. Don't forget that the Adventureland Challenge Contest is still going on, and you can still be involved. The 25 contestants for round two have been given their next challenge, and in the coming weeks, you'll be able to vote to help determine who's going to move on to round three for a chance to win the grand prize of a VIP Walt Disney World vacation. Once again, I want to thank the thousands of you that played and entered and congratulate the round two contestants and all the gift card winners. Big thanks once again to all of my sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, All-Star Vacation Homes, and HiddenMickey'sGuide.com, who made this contest possible. I do have more of your emails to answer on the show in upcoming weeks as well, but if you have a question that you want answered, or if you have a suggestion, a comment, anything else you'd like to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. You can also call the voicemail and be on the air at 206 202 4939. That's 206 202 4WDW. Again, you can call with comments, questions, just to say hi from the parks. Again, I will get to more of your emails in the next few weeks. But if you want to comment on the show, you want to talk about it with other listeners, I encourage you to come by and visit the WDW Radio Show message forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. And as always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell others about it. Review us on iTunes. Come say hi and join us on Facebook. Again, thanks for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen. Hope you have a great week. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Amy from Indiana. I'm just getting caught up with your top ten smells of Walt Disney World, and I wanted to back you up on the monorail smell um, because uh, whenever I get in there, it smells almost like a, uh, a clean Band-Aid once you pull it right out of the package. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not, but I do know what you mean about the monorail smell. It's got like a, I don't know, it's, it's a very clean smell to it. And as Tim was saying, it's like a, a new car smell, but kind of different. But I do agree with you on that. Um, one of the other ones you were saying about was musty water. And what I've noticed, I jog a lot in the mornings, and if it's rained the night before, the smell from the water on the streets if I'm out running or jogging, um, it could be that I'm right back in Walt Disney World for all I know because the smell from standing water on streets, believe it or not, because they hose down the streets every night. So thank you very much for all the great work you do with the, with the podcast, and I look forward to hearing it again. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Doug from New Jersey again, just calling to wish you a happy birthday, a belated happy birthday, and thank you for sending to me. We share the same birthday. And I'm in my 40s, just turned 41, so happy birthday to you and a wonderful show. Thank you and have a good day, buddy. Hey, Lou, it's John Beal from Zionsville. And the funny thing happened, we, I, Zionsville, we have a, this new spray water park type thing with all sorts of fountains you run in. And today I went with my friend and we, you know, we're kind of like the oldest person people there, but we were running through the little fountains with all the little kids. And afterwards, you know, when we're drying off, and we win our clothes. You don't, you don't wear a bathing suit. It takes the fun out of it. So we're drying off, and uh, I was like, what is that? I smell really weird. What is that smell? And I realized, oh, gosh, I smell like the musty water smell from, that we've been talking about for the past three weeks on the podcast. So it was really funny because... I, I didn't think I'd be smelling that smell anytime soon, but all the water was recirculated, so it kind of had the musty water smell, and I was definitely smelling like it. Anyway, love the show. Bye. Hey, Lou. How you doing? Uh, this is uh, John Wisniewski from Philadelphia. Uh, just wanted to, first of all, tell you that I uh, absolutely love listening to the uh, to the show. Uh, definitely would consider myself a major uh, Disney-file or Disnoid, depending on who uh, I speak to. Um but uh wanted to uh, just comment on your, your top ten smells of Walt Disney World. I know I'm a little behind. That was June 13th. But uh, I uh, just got done listening to that segment. I had to pause it and, and give you a call because, first of all, I just, I just loved it because uh, my family uh, has been going since the early 70s. And uh, one of the topics of conversation always seems to come up is this whole uh, 
smells of Walt Disney World, and I was just floored that you guys actually brought that up and thought that we were the sort of isolated uh, microcosm of the world. <laughs> so uh, it's good to hear that uh, something uh, uh, that there is some camaraderie out there. But I wanted to add a couple things on there. I don't know if uh, you know if this is something that you guys ever thought of or considered. But personally, for me, uh, walking into the Polynesian was always a really unique sense for me, uh, and also for the rest of our family. I think it's just a, the strange combination of the tropical plants and cleaning supplies, who knows, <laughs> that they used in that, in that uh, atrium. So when you walk into the ceremonial house, it just has this, ah, uh, and the Polynesian. And uh, a couple other things, um, some of them are kind of on the strange side. Uh, when you walk by Pecos Pete, ever since I was a kid, and I've been going since 1975, uh, I've been there about 25, 26 times, or something like that. And uh, every time I've gone to uh, by Pecos Pete, it smells strangely like egg salad. I, I don't know if I'm off my rocker or if anybody else out there agrees with me, but I always, every time I go there, it's the same exact smell. I know you have the popcorn smell, but to me, it was always something a little bit different right there. Uh, another one, um, at the exit of Spaceship Earth, uh, I've always felt like it smelled like a really pungent, syrupy smell. Um, for years, it's always been like that, and I can never figure out what exactly that was about. There's there's no scenes in there, obviously. It's just whenever you, you come off backwards onto the, the platform there, it just strongly smelled like some sort of pungent, pleasant, but pungent syrup. Um, what else do I wanted to add on to this? Uh, uh, well, I don't want to ramble on, but... Uh, just, uh, I think I'll come up with some others and I'll give you an email or a call. But, uh, again, uh, thanks so much for uh, putting together a really uh, in-depth and really uh, fond memories uh, type of show. And uh, keep it up. So, uh, thanks, Lou. Uh, keep it up. Take care. Thanks. Bye.